from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. In terms of what else to watch this week, I mean, we I think we hit on the big ones. Are we going to get a new Fed chair? I think Powell, odds are Powell is, is uh, reappointed, but right. that's a big question. Retail sales this morning, I think we're good. Um, all in all, although keep in mind, inflation does inflate the retail sales numbers. So then, you know, we're probably going to get the House vote on the BBB plan or reconciliation, social spending plan, whatever you want to call it. But the good news is that the tax increases aren't going to be, uh, you know, nearly as impactful for corporate profits as we thought uh, maybe just a, a few months ago. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder, as always. Jeff, you know, one of my big worries, and I've got a few, always said like electricity always scares me, right? Sharks scare me and my wife, honestly, uh, scares me. The third thing, though, fourth, fourth, fourth thing that scares me are the machines potentially taking over. Here's what I'm going with this, Jeff. We've all seen Terminator, right? You know, the machines take, take a, get a little too powerful. Listen to this one, Jeff. The um, Association of Advancing Automation uh, for Robotics said sales the first nine months of this year are totaling almost one and a half trillion, an all-time record, all right? So people are doing more and more machines. Did anyone not see the movie Terminator? What's your take on this, Jeff? I'm scared, too. Uh, eventually the machines are going to be smarter than we are and um yeah they could they could take over so we got to be really careful about how smart we make these machines they hopefully will be used for good exactly now in all seriousness you know one could take a look at this and it's the whole idea of capex right capital expenditures when people are scared they're not out there spending money necessarily we didn't see a lot of spending on capital expenditures plants business property technology, IT, things like that. So to see the first nine months of this year, and maybe my fear of uh, you know the machines taking over is still there, but the, the idea that corporations are spending a lot, that's probably a good thing. Now, guys, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about spending and how the, uh, how the consumer is doing at the end here. Uh, we've had some interesting consumer data, but we're going to focus a good deal here in the beginning on the Fed and inflation. We hear you loud and clear every week. We're talking about the Fed. It's amazing how um, news-driven the Fed really is. And who knows? By the time everybody listens to this, we might potentially have a new person in charge of the Fed. The rumor is it's imminent, the release of who's going to be um, either the current Fed chairperson or maybe a new one. Uh, then we're also going to take a look at splitting up. Apparently, everybody's splitting up all of a sudden. And what I mean by that are some corporations are splitting themselves up to unlock shareholder value. We've seen this before, actually near some major market tops. So we're going to dive into that again. And then again, we'll finish things up with the consumer, which makes up two thirds of the economy. Consumer, uh, you know, there's some differing views on what the consumer is saying and what the consumer is doing. We're going to dive in there. But Jeff, you pointed this out the other day, and I, I didn't realize it. Tell us about the swear jar. I mean, you, you pointed this out. I didn't know it. Now, on the YouTube channel, we've got the swear jar. What exactly is the swear jar with the Fed here? <laughs> yeah, transitory is a bad word now, apparently, at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Uh, Rafael Bostic, the head of the Atlanta Fed. Uh, that word is probably worn out its welcome. There's <laughs> yes. a limit to how long you can be in a transitory environment. So, um, you know, we're hearing that word less and less. And, um, you know, it's probably going to be a year long 
inflation problem, not just a few months. Although we're already, you know, into that one year, certainly several months in. So maybe by mid next year, uh, the inflation picture will look pretty good. At least that's our view here. Yeah, exactly. So the word transitory, and I agree. I, I feel I'm kind of sick of saying this word too, but it is true. There's apparently a swear jar, and the word transitory is a bad word if you use it around Fed Governor Bostic. But the the, the official definition of brief duration, temporary, also tending to pass away, not persistent. Well, Jeff, we're going to talk a little bit now about the CPI number that we just saw last week. I believe it's six consecutive months now of over 5% a headline CPI. That's the highest we've seen since the early 90s. The headline number is up over 6%. Again, the highest we've seen since the late 90s. A lot of the, the research that we do and look, it doesn't seem like we're going to see peak inflation likely until probably early next year. That doesn't sound very transitory. What do you think? Yeah, well, we need to see peak bottleneck first, mm -hmm. and then we'll see peak inflation, right? These supply chain concerns, all the you know the ships waiting out uh, off the West Coast, and the ports of LA and Long Beach, right? Once we can get through these supply chain issues, that's a big piece of the inflation problem. Then you get through, hopefully, this labor squeeze, right? Yeah. A lot of companies don't have enough workers; they're having to pay up for them. Uh, you know, rising wages are good because it helps people pay for stuff and helps support consumer spending. Um, but, you know, certainly we don't want wage pressures to get too hot because then you start to uh, worry the Fed. But those are two pieces, right? Labor supply and supply chain bottlenecks uh, that we can get past over the next few months. And, uh, you know, when we get to the spring, we think the inflation picture will look a lot better than it does right now. Absolutely. You look at the major components of inflation, the majority of them are once again a little bit hotter than expected. You know, Jeff, rents make up about 40 percent um, of overall CPI inflation. That had its largest monthly gain since 2006. Well, we hear the words about sticky inflation. You know, rents only change, I don't know what, like once a year, maybe, I guess, you know, I mean, so when those changes go higher, that's likely kind of sticky. I mean, tell, tell, tell the listeners what that means when we say sticky inflation versus just regular inflation, I guess we'll say. Sure. Well, regular inflation, I guess you'd say, are non-sticky. Uh, those are prices that can change frequently, right? Mm -hmm. So prices at the pump, prices at the grocery store, those are obvious examples. Uh, sticky inflation, those prices, as you alluded to, Ryan, like rents, don't change very often. And so uh, if you start to see, oh, actually, wages don't change that often either. So right. if you start to see persistent uh, excess inflation in terms of wages and rents, that's when you get the Fed's attention. Uh, and that's when they potentially have to uh, slam on the brakes to tamp down prices. Exactly. So month over month, we saw food up almost a percent, energy up almost five percent. I did see, according to AAA, at least people are paying more for a gallon of gas in California than any time in history, up close to five dollars. Um, so that's that's part of that energy. Gasoline up six point one percent. Oh, hotels up one and a half percent of twenty six percent on the year. What else do we have here? Use a big spike in used cars. Once again, up two and a half percent month over month. We've been talking about used car prices going up a lot for a long time. Go try and buy a car, right? You can't even, you can't find them. I mean, there might be a few, but you got to act fast. Um, and let's see, new cars up 1.4%, um, higher, making a new record six months in a row now. Uh, and shelter, again, kind of the component of, of housing and rents up almost half a percent. I mean, it was just, I don't know, Jeff, it, 
it is what it is. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel transitory. You know I mean? I know we all said it, including LPL research, but it does seem like this is going to stick around a little bit longer, but in our recent weekly market commentary, Jeff, I'll turn it over to you here in a second to kind of dive in. We pointed out some things that we wanted to see. I think you kind of hinted at some of these, but on the YouTube channel right now, we are sharing um, kind of a different way to look at potentially consume or energy, um, let's see, shelter excluding energy uh, CPI, which maybe isn't as fearful as some of the things um, we just talked about. Take it away, Jeff. Yeah, the just to go on to rents a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, the the rent component of the CPI is actually only up about three and a half percent right now. That's not terrible. In fact, that's not yet above the peak of 2019, which of course was pre-pandemic. So, um, you know, housing prices have risen. That goes into the rent calculation in addition to just rents. But they're they're really not skyrocketing yet. So for now, this is contained. You could say that's good news. So that's one thing to watch. Uh, some other things to watch to tell us that you know we're in we're at a peak, and then inflation won't get any worse. The PMI data, right? Mm -hmm. Purchasing managers surveys, which include backlogs and supplier delivery times, right? Those are about as bad as they've they've been. If those start to roll over, that certainly would be a positive sign. Uh, and then there are others, but I'll throw out one more, which is uh, break-even inflation rates. Mm -hmm. So that's the yield difference between tips and nominal treasuries. Tips being treasury inflation protected securities, right? You have that built-in inflation component uh, in tips. The difference between those two uh, right now is about a little over 3% for the next couple of years. If that stabilizes or starts to fall even better, uh, that will be an excellent sign that um, inflation's uh, tapering off and we'll uh, be watching uh, that indicator very closely. Oh, absolutely. And again, please check out the recent weekly market commentary that LPL Research put together. You can go to lpl.com, just scroll down just a little bit to read to read more about it there. But I, I feel like we've talked a lot about inflation uh, over the past year or so, and, and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, Jeff, I guess, but we're going to, I mean, we, we can talk about the stock market just for a minute. I mean, the stock market's made like 65 all-time highs this year in the S&P. The next time it makes an all-time high, who knows? It could be Tuesday, um, the day we're recording this. That would be the second most all-time highs in the history of the stock market. Only 95 has had more. We talked last week about just some of the unbelievable streaks the stock market had been on. The one that got me was up 19 out of 20, oh, I'm sorry, up 17 out of 19 days for the S&P. Haven't seen anything like that since 1971, all right? The stock market seems to be ignoring, if you will, or at least not concerned is a better way to put it, not concerned about inflation. I mean, to me, that's one of the biggest reasons to think inflation is transitory. It's not going to be a 1970-style inflation because the stock market leads the economy. It's smarter than any of us. It doesn't care about our feelings, but a lot of times the stock market is right about these things. I mean, am I, am I sniffing around the right thing there? Do you think there's something to that or what? what anything else about stocks and inflation here? Well, let me first say, I think the market in 1971 was celebrating my arrival into the world. Oh. That was what was going on there. Great point. Um, yeah. You know, um, the market, I think, does buy the argument that this, this inflation is not going to persist much beyond next year. Okay. You know, typically the market only looks six to 12 months ahead. But I think now with this inflation situation, it, it's getting comfortable with prospects for, let's say, inflation to you know, ebb in the back half of, of next year and into uh, 2023. Uh, part of that is 
the Fed having credibility, right? The market's starting to price in rate hikes in 2022, which could help tamp down inflation right. late in 2022 and into 2023, right? So, um, and in addition to that, we know we have these long-term structural forces pushing down on inflation. It's cheaper to make stuff, technology, globalization, all of that. Companies, you're hearing it during earnings season, companies are doing an amazing job of managing their supply chains in an extremely difficult environment where they can't get labor, let alone materials that are really expensive to move around. So, you know, the next six months are going to be really tricky. Um, we won't deny that, but I think the market's doing a good job of looking through it. It doesn't mean we're not going to have volatility at times, but um, the intermediate to long-term outlook for inflation still looks pretty good to us. Uh, well said there. I mean, you know, we've talked about inflation a lot and that is our stance. Sure. Transitory, maybe the wrong word, but Hey, the fed started using it before we did. Um, but it's sticking around and Janet Yellen just on Sunday, right? I think it was meet the press. I think is where she was somewhere publicly stated, you know, the inflation's here likely because of COVID. And once we get through in the bottlenecks that it caused, once we get through that inflation should come down. So I know she's not at the fed Janet Yellen's in charge of the treasury. But obviously, she knows a thing or two about what's going on at the Fed, and her voice carries a lot of weight. I still get a kick out of the fact, like, you know, when you work for a publicly traded company and they're about to have earnings, you can't trade the stock, right? We, we know that. Well, the Fed's similar. The Fed has a blackout date. Once you get close to a Fed decision, no Fed members talk. All of a sudden, you start seeing Janet Yellen's voice out there a lot more once you get closer to these Fed meetings because she can kind of voice, um, I'm not, you know, you know, kind of an interesting way around it, but uh, she can kind of voice some opinions, and her voice obviously still matters, and she's in the transitory camp as well. And Jeff, maybe final thing, we talked about inflation and Fed, maybe egg on our face by the time people hear this, but Janet Yellen continues to back the current Fed chairperson. Um, you know, we're hearing rumors that imminent is the lingo that uh, the president, President Biden, might reinstate Powell, or I guess Brainerd is probably the number one potential to take over in February of 2022, if it's not Pal, I mean, my stance is I'd say, I mean, let's let's pick up some numbers. It's fun to do numbers, right? I'd say about seventy percent pal. What what is your opinion of of who Mr. Um, Biden is going to pick here? Probably pretty darn soon. Yeah, Eileen Powell as well. Maybe seventy percent's a bit high, um, but if if Brainerd's not Fed chair, there are other very important yep. positions at the Fed that she could take. And I think you know what President Biden might find most attractive about her is that she can you know, be tough regulating the banks, right? Mm -hmm. And you can do that from another position, right? Head of right. supervisory or, or even vice chair for that matter. Um, so I think, um, you know, generally Powell has bipartisan support. So he's still uh, the favorite. It's hard to come up with a reason why he should lose his job, frankly. Mm -hmm. right. um, but um, they're, they're, the this environment we know is very politicized. And so it's possible that, um, that uh, you know, Biden puts a Democrat in there. Yeah, no, that absolutely is. So we'll we'll watch that. This just kind of reminded me you know, we, we might have a new Fed chairperson by the time we do the next podcast, guys. With it being uh, holiday week, Thanksgiving week, we are going to take the week off next week, which is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So there's probably a very good chance by the time we do the next podcast, we'll be talking about. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the Fed one way or another. It's all we ever talk about, it feels like. But who's in charge of the Fed? Uh, we'll dive in a little bit more in two weeks. But, um, you know, anyway. Hey, one more thing on that, Ryan. Yeah, yeah go uh, ahead. Real quick. So I was on a call with the LPL lobbyists in Washington, and they had some consultants uh, on in Washington, you know, feet on the ground, mm -hmm. very in tune to what's going on 
um, at the White House and the Capitol. And they said they expect uh, Powell to be reappointed as well. So okay. you know, that's why you see these numbers like 70 percent. Yeah. OK, well, it makes sense. So we'll, we'll, we'll uh, continue to watch it. And some other things we're going to watch, Jeff, it, it feels like the world is getting back to normal because the calendar just switched to November. And I think I can talk about your Chiefs now. Your Chiefs absolutely just went nuts. And given a, in our fantasy league for LPL research, I went Chiefs heavy. <laughs> that hasn't worked so well all of a sudden with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And uh, who's the running back? Uh, Hilaire, the running back that got hurt on IR. So I'm struggling. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing maybe I can make a run at this thing. Uh, you you know you know, I was talking you know some smack when your Chiefs were terrible, but I knew they'd come back, so I had to do it. Now they're back, so I'm going to shut up again. You feeling pretty good though? They sure look good on Sunday. Oh, they they made it look easy. So yeah, uh, yeah maybe we uh, have have um, sort of rekindled what made them so great the last couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. That was uh, fun to watch for me as a Chiefs fan. Yeah, and as a fantasy player with a lot of Chiefs, or a fantasy owner with a lot of Chiefs, or manager, I guess the word I'm using, uh, that was nice to uh, nice to see as well. Bengals um, so Chiefs coming up in a few weeks, so uh, that'll be true. that'll be big. I don't know how we're going to make this podcast work um, after my Chiefs beat your Bengals. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. That's true. I don't. I don't either. I don't know. I'll be all. I'll, maybe we should have a bet. Like the other one has to wear the other uh, other team's jersey or something. Well, we'll do something with that. Um, but yeah, my boys and I are excited because I think the Bengals play the Chiefs in like week 16 or 17. We were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if they're like undefeated and they just tank that game and the Bengals get an easy win? But doesn't look like it's going to happen. But anyway, that's that's enough about uh, enough about that. But congrats to the Chiefs who look like the Chiefs, <laughs> unlike that team they looked like earlier this year. So Jeff, let's move forward. Uh, everyone is breaking up. Um, all it just like just happened. It's almost like deer, right? You see one, you know, there's more coming. GE decided to split up, DuPont to split up, Toshiba's going to split up, Johnson & Johnson, and even Britney Spears, after 13 years, she is now split up. She's free from her father uh, telling her exactly what to do with her money and how to live her life, so I'm kind of team Britney on that one. I think she should be allowed to do what she wants to do. Um, anyway, so everybody's breaking up or splitting up. Jeff, here's my question to you. We've seen this before, right? There's been some studies. Now, you could say small sample size. I totally get it, but it's a podcast, and it's fun stuff to talk about. We've seen some split-ups before that have taken place at some major market peaks. peaks, Get all tongue-twisted talking about this. Specifically, 2006, 2007, we did see some of this stuff. Are you concerned at all? about the action we saw last week where apparently shareholders or no, sorry, companies are trying to find shareholder value in their company by splitting things up? You know, if you're looking for a sentiment gauge that suggests that stocks are too high, mm-hmm. then I, I don't think this is the one. I think you, you know, you're probably better off maybe looking at IPOs. I mean, this is yeah. kind of similar to IPOs because you, yeah. you think the market's going to value the pieces of a GE or a J&J, you know, higher uh, than the whole conglomerate. Um, you know, mergers and IPOs are, are pretty healthy. We've seen a little bit of a pickup here lately, which, sure, it's kind of a symptom of a strong stock market. So, you know, you look back in history, every time you get a strong stock market, sure, you're going to get secondary offerings. Sure, actually Peloton just announced a secondary offering. Yeah. Sure, you're going to get IPOs, spin outs, carve outs. There's there's a carrot there, right? Which is, you know, a higher valuation that companies are are shooting for. And you know, right now at least it appears that we're in an environment where conglomerates uh, aren't being looked upon very favorably 
uh, by the market. So if you think that some of the parts is um, you know greater than the whole, then you uh, you know make sense to break up, be more focused, uh, and and try to get those higher valuations for the pieces. Yeah, exactly. So GE and Toshiba are going to split into three. Uh, J&J is going to split into two, consumer healthcare and then traditional healthcare, consumer healthcare, things like Band-Aids and Tylenol. Both of those are going to be like two of the largest companies in the world, even after the split up. What gets me, though, is like GE, right? We can't make individual recommendations. We're just stating the facts here. GE has been, I don't know if I can say train wreck, a train wreck, right? I mean, it's been a really rough situation for a long time. So, you know, makes sense. Maybe try something new. My personal take is I, it's so obvious later. Oh my goodness, look at that. That was obviously the peak, right? And I've been hearing this for years now. Oh, that's the peak. That's the peak. That's the peak. I, I use the one Mila Kunis, right? She went all in on the S&P in 2013. I remember that specifically. It was all over the place. And oh, that's it. Contrarian warning. We've got a four-year bull, bull market since 2009. Mila Kunis is now bullish. End of the world. What happened? The S&P broke out of a 13-year trading range and went up you know, significantly. So I'm not saying always follow Mila Kunis's investments. I'm just saying... Sometimes these things aren't so obvious and the underlying fundamentals of this economy with fiscal policy, monetary policy, strong earnings, all the stuff we've been talking about literally for you know years on this podcast, why we think it's a major structural bull market. Yes, we had the 34% correction during coronavirus or COVID and the shutdowns. We're aware of that, but still, this is still a bull market, something to pay attention to, but I'm not superly uh, overly worried as well. It's just in the news and I've heard people talking about it. So we wanted to give our two cents on the LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff, any final comments? And then we're going to kind of move forward to the final discussion, the consumer. I'll just close this segment out by saying valuations still look reasonable given yeah. the economic environment, the earnings environment, and low interest rates, despite yeah. high inflation. All of that uh, suggests that you know a PE ratio for the S&P of 21 is fair. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fair that Britney's free. I'm Team Britney again. I'm not really... I don't know. I think you should get do what you want to do if you if you can prove it and she proved it. So more power to her. Uh, let's move forward, Jeff. Uh, slowly getting back to normal for the Dietrichs. Uh, my son was diagnosed. Sebastian, the middle one, was diagnosed with uh, COVID nineteen. I guess it would have been on the oh my goodness. I think two Mondays ago, whatever two Mondays ago was. So that'd be the fifteenth. So I guess that's the eighth. I think the eighth. Um, it's the weirdest thing though, Jeff, because. We were shocked. He's totally fine. Um, I'm one of you know one of those. His class of 19, five of them got it. Uh, feels like we just heard a couple more fifth graders, sixth graders. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the trends going the right way, yet all of a sudden in real world, it seems like more and more um, kids are getting it all of a sudden. And the ironic thing about it is literally the day he was technically diagnosed with it, he actually got his first vaccine. I think I mentioned it on the podcast last time that I just got my booster. He just got his first vaccine. Um, so anyway, but after after over a week of, uh, you know, Gus, the youngest one, he had the quarantine because his brother was sick. Good news, we've all tested a ton. I mean, there's a nice little church right up the street we go to every single day, swab my nose, a day later get an email. We've all been negative across the board, which is good, obviously. Um, and he's just been stuck at home. I think he's got to be at home like another two days, got to be 10 days total. Sort of getting back to normal for the Dietrichs here, uh, slowly but steadily. But again, fortunately, he was... I mean, you'd never know. He's still, we're trying to keep him apart from his brothers. Like I, we were watching football the other day, Sebastian's in the corner, Gus in the other corner. I leave the room, come back in. They've got each other in like a headlock. They're wrestling, they're playing. I said, what are you guys doing? Oh yeah, sorry, dad, we forgot. I mean, it's 
you know, we try. It's, it's, it's hard. But luckily, Gus continues to be negative along with the rest of us. Jeff, um, how is it up in uh, New England? I mean, you know, down here, they literally shut down my, Sebastian's class. We all had to go virtual because, you know, five out of 19 had the thing. How are you guys doing up there? Yeah, we, we've had a few cases in, in both my girls' classes. But mm-hmm. thankfully, uh, neither uh, my girls was a close contact. So uh, and they didn't have to shut down school. They just, you know, the, obviously the uh, the case, the girl with the case uh, or actually there's girls and boys stay home. And then the people that sit right next to them mm-hmm. stay home yeah. uh, and then everybody else goes on as uh, as normal. So mm-hmm. it's, it hasn't been too disruptive. I mean, not easy for me to say my kid's still in school <laughs> for the right. people who are directly impacted. Obviously, it's been a challenge, but the majority of the class is operating as as normal. But I, I think it does point to. Uh, the fact that this is, you know, still an issue, we got to wait for kids to get vaccinated. Uh, we've got to wait for this wave to um, to uh, evaporate, frankly. And I think in the next couple of months it will, but it's just going to take a little bit more time. You also have to be a little bit concerned about what we're seeing in Europe. Yeah. Well, and what we're seeing in some parts of the U.S. where the cases are picking up, and uh, you know, certainly as people stay inside more in the, the colder weather states, that could potentially drive more cases. So it, it, this is, you know, hopefully the kind of the final um, wave and, and restrictions can, you know, all the remaining restrictions can pretty much come off by uh, January. That's that's personally my expectation. Um, it's interesting to hear, yeah, I was on the school committee uh, call the, the other day here in, uh, in, in my town and boy, it, it is divided in terms of how, you know, the 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 anti-mask crowd and the and the let's call them the the more worried crowd yeah. <laughs> right it's just right. A, it's an impossible situation to make everybody happy uh, but boy it makes for some um, really interesting uh, conversations with the um, the superintendent and the principals yeah that's the world we live in I guess which again this is not a stance on anything here I know everybody's divided on this stuff it feels like. Uh, Sebastian, out of 19 kids, he's only one of two that actually wore his mask the whole time. And believe me, we heard every day, no one else wears the mask. Oh, you're wearing it anyway. He's still got the thing. So what, what can you do? It's interesting, though, because Susanna, my daughter, she just turned 14. Um, you know, she's vaccinated. We said, what do we do with her? I said, well, she's vaccinated. She can go to school. I called up LPLHR, talked to them. I said, well, he's, you know, he's in quarantine. What can I do? They said, you're vaccinated. Yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. So you can go to work. So that's CDC. So I guess that's, you know, the one nice thing potentially about being vaccinated if you're around someone who's sick. You can continue to go to work. Although if you ask my daughter, she was actually upset hearing she had to go to school. She wanted to be home <laughs> and do it that way. Anyway, let's move forward, Jeff. Um, good discussion there. Is bad news good news? You know, Disney, everybody loves Disney, right? I mean, I think everybody loves Disney. I'm not allowed to make blanket statements like that. Compliance would slap my wrist. But I think for the most part, most people like Disney. Yet Disney did not have explosive growth under Disney Plus, or at least as explosive as they wanted. Disney's stock had one of its worst days in a long time last week. Yet the stock market took it in stride. Jeff, you kind of talked about this a little bit. Tell me why bad news for Disney, maybe specifically Disney Plus, is actually good news for everybody else. I think people are getting out of their houses and yep. doing stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, we we know last year the stay-at-home stocks were, and and early this year, stay-at-home stocks were just outstanding. And so certainly the Disney Plus business within Disney is kind of a stay-at-home business. Yeah. You know, Netflix. I just mentioned Peloton, right? Uh, Zoom is the poster child probably for stay-at-home stock. It makes sense that these companies would see. You know, slower sales increases. 
now that people are getting out there and resuming their normal lives. So it is good news. We want the reopening segment of the stock market. And there's a lot of cyclical value stocks in there that we like. Uh, that, you know, companies that really need people to get out there and do stuff <laughs> to, to work. Um, you know, we think we're on the verge of a really strong reopening push over the next few months that can help those stocks. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that makes sense. And I'll be honest, I'm still a fan of Disney and maybe people don't go to Disney plus, but maybe they go on a $5,000 cruise or, or go to the, go to one of the parks or something like that. And you know, instead of buying Disney plus, so there's still some, some ways to grow, but Jeff, here's something that intrigues me. Um, you know, we can talk about the retail sales number that just came out and guys, this just came out. So I'll just read the headlines. Retail sales came in at 1.7% better than expected best number since March core. Um, so excluding, oh, sorry, excluding autos, sorry, was a 1.4% double the expectations September revised higher. Uh, Walmart just had sales. They increased 2021 guidance. They had sales up 9% year over year, e-commerce up 8%, foot traffic up 6%, really positive stuff from retail sales and from Walmart and Home Depot. I just saw the headline on Home Depot. But Jeff, here's where I'm stumped. Michigan Consumer Confidence on Friday was at a 10-year low. How in the world, and I don't even know the answer. I still can't wrap my head around this. How could consumer confidence be so low, yet consumers apparently keep spending money? And according to the oh, the, the national, oh, one of the, I guess I, I thought I had this written down in front of me. Give me one second here. There we go. The NRF, National Federation, what is it, National Retail Federation, they think uh, consumers are going to spend $851 billion this holiday season. That's a record, up almost 10% from last year. The average year holiday sales go up about 4.5%. How in the world could people be spending all this money and feeling confident, yet consumer confidence is at a 10-year low? I don't understand it. Jeff, try to explain that to me. Sure. Well, first, I pay much more attention to what consumers do there you go. than what they say, right? Right. And so... Um, you know, discount survey results when the dollars are rolling in. Uh, that's probably the most important point. Um, you know, also the, you know, day to day, we see higher prices at the pump and higher prices at the grocery store. Yep. So those, I think, have a lot of impact on consumer survey, surveys that are coming out frequently, right? There are consumer surveys that come out even more than once a month. So, um I think that's a key point to keep in mind. Also, remember the, the consumer is really, really healthy still. We've talked a lot about this on this podcast, right? Tons of excess savings. We have solidly rising wages, right? We have still low interest rates. You know, borrowing costs uh, are generally low. And consumers are just itching to spend because, you know, certainly, um, you know, hasn't been so easy to spend over the last, call it 19 months. So um, I think all those factors. Uh, excuse me. Tell that to my wife every day. We have Amazon packages show up. I don't think it's been hard for some of us. <laughs> well, maybe you spend a little less on Amazon packages yeah. than you've been spending on cruises or you know you touring can. Europe. Good point. Right? Good point. So yeah. you know the or commuting, mm -hmm. right? My commuting costs have gone down quite a bit. So there's certainly some savings. A lot of it is this, the you know just the stimulus and pent up demand, uh, but it's also you know rising rising wages. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I don't have too much to add there. I mean, I just thought it was interesting. I don't know if interesting is the right word. Really unique where consumer confidence is so low. Yeah, that's what they say, right? I always say pay attention to what people do, kind of like Jeff, how you just started that conversation. Um, so Jeff, you know, this week, 
Um, the big thing was retail sales and a lot of retailers. Um, you know, what, what, all, what also are you looking at this week that um, investors should be paying attention to that could move markets? And maybe again, kind of give a final summary of this earnings season. I know we talk about it every single week, but kind of give us a final uh, bow on this earnings season, which has been really, really good. Yeah, great earnings season. Um, we, we got this week off to a good start with what looked like pretty good retailer numbers. Mm-hmm. We'll get some more retailers over the rest of the week. Um, you know, even department stores were good in the retail sales numbers, right? Uh, which is an area where you would think you know, maybe it'd be more uh, challenging to get folks back to the malls. Um, you know, goods are tough to find and all of that. Um, but no, no matter how you look at it, good earnings season, although I will point out that over the last few weeks, these numbers have leveled off. So we didn't get nearly as much upside as we've gotten in the last few quarters. That was expected. Um, but, um, you know, we might be sort of finding our footing here in terms of analyst expectations being aligned with reality. Uh, so, you know, we could still get, you know, close to $210 in S&P earnings uh, per share for this year, 2021. Um, but consensus right now is 205. And that's not going to be easy to do much better okay. than 205, given all these challenges that we've talked about over and over again, materials, labor shortages, uh, bottlenecks, cost inflation, um, and all of that. In terms of what else to watch this week, I mean, we I think we hit on the big ones. Are we going to get a new yep. Fed chair? Uh, what are the rest of retailer earnings going to look like? Wait, 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 wait. We're not going to get a new one necessarily, right? We'll just get a... Are we? How's the question? Is, right? Yeah. We might. Okay. I'm not... We I, might. I, just, I know, I know. But, yeah. <laughs> I just told you, I, I think Powell, odds are Powell is, is uh, reappointed, but right. that's a big question. Uh, there's really not a ton of market moving economic data besides retail sales this morning, I think we're good um, all in all. Although keep in mind, inflation does inflate the retail sales numbers, which are expressed in nominal terms. So maybe they're they're really good numbers, but maybe they're not as good as the headline uh, suggests. And then, you know, we're probably going to get the House vote on the BBB plan or reconciliation, social spending plan, whatever you want to call it, probably around 1.75 trillion after it gets scaled back again to get moderate Democratic votes. But the Senate's going to change it after that, and we might end up going right until the end of the year before we get that deal across the finish line. It looks very likely that we'll get that deal, but the good news is that the tax increases aren't going to be uh, you know, nearly as impactful for corporate profits as we thought uh, maybe just a, a few months ago. Absolutely. We said that's probably one of the reasons why we had such a strong run in the stock market there up five weeks in a row. Yes, earnings were really strong, but also the realization that the significantly higher corporate taxes and taxes in general that were coming, uh, cap gains taxes that we all thought were coming, I guess I should say this time exactly a year ago likely aren't going to take place. So guys, again, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, We did crack over 500,000 downloads, oh, maybe a week or two ago. So thanks to everyone who's been listening for over three years now. Give us a like, give us a follow. It goes a long way to keep building uh, this podcast and get it out there to more listeners. Thanks to Neil, as always, our producer for getting this out there. Uh, Thanks to Jeff for a fun conversation as always. And thanks again to all of you. Again, we will not be doing the podcast next week. Going to take a little break uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday. Jeff, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? And then I'll say mine and then we're going to sign off. What are you looking forward to next Thursday? Uh, You know, maybe underrated, but stuffing. I actually really like the stuffing. When you put that with the turkey, it it really comes together. Mm -hmm. How about you? 
yeah, you know, from the time you talked, I think I had about four different things in my head. I, I can't even pick a face like kids. You can't pick a favorite. Some days you can. But, um, you know, I think I, I don't I'll go this route. I do not like leftovers at all. I go to a restaurant, nice food, whatever. I, I just don't like leftovers. Never have, maybe never will. I do enjoy leftover turkey, put it on a toasted bun, some cheese or something. So I, I really like the leftover turkey the next day. But at the same time, I'm a, I mean, look at me. I like pie, all right? I mean, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, pecan pie or pecan pie, which is called down the South. If I'm a Northern boy, so say pecan pie. Um, uh, you know, pumpkin pie, apple pie. We're going to have a bunch of pies as well. So I think that's, um, you know, I don't know. It's just fun. Let's hope everyone just has a safe time. Maybe that's the thing I'll also say. It's, uh, you know, time to get together, hopefully a little more than we did last year or even two years ago. Um, get out there, maybe go play some football. Hopefully I don't injure myself, um, you know, go out play some football or something. Hopefully all, all the dads, Sunday, you know, Saturday warriors don't hurt themselves going out there to play a little football. Um, but with all that, everyone have a happy, safe Thanksgiving. Eat a ton, enjoy yourselves, and we'll be back in two weeks to, um, to give some updates on how much we did indeed eat. So everybody take care. Thanks again. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.